Turn to Habakkuk chapter 2 this morning. And it's just one verse this morning. So you can go to Habakkuk, and if then if you want to put your finger in Luke chapter 8, we will also be there a little bit later. No, not Luke chapter 8. Luke, just go to Luke. I'll figure out where we're going to be when we get there, okay? So since it's just one verse, I'll get to that one verse in, in just a moment. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you, you have a feast laid out for us in your word. But it's a feast that calls us to exercise our faith in ways that stretch us, in ways that don't always make sense to us. But Lord, we pray that you would fix in our hearts that this is the way that you have worked out for us to live. Lord, open our eyes to what you have for us in your word today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So up to this point, Habakkuk has, as we've seen, complained to the Lord uh, about the behavior of the covenant people, about uh, Israel and about their uh, perversion of justice and their oppression and uh, strife and violence and, in his words, just the destruction that the people are bringing upon their friends. This isn't from some other country. This isn't from some invader. They are doing this to themselves. Uh, And the Lord answered. And when we see the first answer, he says, well, I'm doing a work even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And you can just see in Habakkuk's mind, you know, like, yeah, finally. He's going to bring revival. Uh, He's going to change hearts. He's going to teach those people a lesson and and get them back on on the right path. But yet the Lord's answer is, I'm going to raise up Babylon, and they're going to destroy you. Now, that's not the answer Habakkuk wanted. It's not the answer I want. When I pray the Lord, I pray, Lord, you know, uh, this and this. And he says, well, first, Randy, I I have to crush you uh, to get you ready for what I'm going to do. I'm just not interested in that. Okay. All right. Not that that changes what the Lord is going to do in my life. Um, But then Habakkuk makes this second complaint. And he basically, he says, Lord, your eyes are purer than to look upon sin. You are everlasting. How in the world could you do this to us, your people? Well, the answer, which Habakkuk doesn't understand, because Habakkuk doesn't see the bigger picture that the Lord sees. The answer is, I've got to crush you because of your disobedience but yet I'm going to remember you, and this will come to a fulfillment later. So now we come to Habakkuk's response uh, to the Lord's answer, and this is verse two, or chapter 2, verse 1. So Habakkuk, having heard the Lord, and we heard it from Dan last week, he says, I'll take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower, And look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He says, I'm going to watch and I'm going to wait. Now, how many of us are good at that? Well, 
We're good at asking for things. We're good at going to the Lord and saying, Lord, uh, this is really what I need and this is what I would love for you to to do and uh, my friend is ill and my circumstances seem dire. We're good at asking for those, but we are not so good at waiting for the Lord to respond to our pleas. We have in our minds what appears to be a very tight, tight, tight timeline that we have to, in order to achieve what we want or to see things happen. And the Lord, we just want him to get on ball with us, right? Get on board with us, Lord. But waiting for the Lord is at the heart of living by faith. Unfortunately, waiting in general is not very popular in our culture. We are not a waiting culture. In other societies, we find that they are much more long-term in things. I mean, we don't like to wait. I had to wait two days to get an Amazon package. I was going crazy. Okay. How, how many of us want that we order something, we want it the next day? That's why we pay for that extra service. Mm, and when it doesn't come, you know, we're upset. Or we want our luxuries or our pleasures, our nice things, and we want them now. No longer are we typically interested in that antiquated value of delayed gratification. Okay? We want it now. Well, yeah, but if you hold off, you no, I, I want it. Now, beyond delayed gratification, we have something in our society uh, called conspicuous consumption. Conspicuous consumption. People will buy things, clothes, jewelry, expensive cars, to give the appearance that they have means. But they have spent their money on these things so other people can see them without really having anything to back that up, and nothing in the bank, nothing for the rainy day type of thing. Uh, we like the appearance of success more than the substance of success. I want experience. I want to see. I want people to see what I have, uh, and I want that right now, rather than postponing it uh, in favor of investing in future growth. Uh, but the principle of delayed gratification requires the exercise of patience. Patience. You could buy some expensive item today, enjoy it as its value depreciates, you could stash it away instead. When we did Financial Peace University over the Cooper House a couple years ago, Dave Ramsey told a story about how he wanted this car. And, and I forget exactly what kind of car it was, but I'll just say it was a Mercedes or, or something like that, some real high-dollar car, and, and he, he never could afford it, never could afford it. He was working, and finally he got to the place where he could afford it. But by that time, he had learned a lot of lessons, and he looked at that car, walked into the showroom, looked at that car, looked at the sticker price, and said, I just can't do it. And he went home, and he continued to drive his beater for another 10 years. You know, beater, you know what that is. Uh, And and one day, he pulled up to this traffic light, and he looked over, and there was that car, in a sense, that he had his eye on. It was the same model, the same year, the same color. And he, he was just kind of lusting in his heart after that. So he went home and looked up the blue book value of that car. That car had depreciated to where its value was only 20% of its original value. Well, what he had done is he had taken that amount of money that he would have had to spend on that car, and he invested it, and he said, I made far more than 20% on my return. And he said, I, I felt real good about that beater that I was still driving. Okay? Delayed gratification. When the Bible speaks of patience often, particularly as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. 
Even though there are nine parts, everybody gets it. Everybody gets all of them. And you say, no, I didn't get any self-control rant. Yeah, you did. I didn't get any patience. Yeah, you did. Uh, you just have to exercise it and work at it. Well, patience, especially as one of the characteristics of fruit of the Spirit or of love, it speaks of a virtue that goes beyond the ability just to wait. Okay? Just to wait. Well, yeah, I go out and I, you know, if, if the line at the restaurant, if I'm going to wait more than 10 minutes, I, I, we're going to another restaurant. Okay? No, it's beyond that. It's, it's what Scripture often calls long-suffering. The ability to put up with something over a long period of time. Specifically, as so often in Scripture, it deals with our interactions with other people. Long-suffering and patience with other people. Okay, oh, well, that's hard to do. I'd like them to change so that I'm more comfortable around them. No, they're just, that's the way they are. You have to be patient with them. Or if I get injured by, uh, and not necessarily injured physically, but injured emotionally uh, or you know some fashion we want justice and Jesus asked and that's that's the passage in Luke that we're going to turn to in, in a little bit uh, when he speaks about the unjust judge he said will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night and he continues when the son of man comes will he find faith on earth justice and faith patience and faith they go together there it ties these things together. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Mm, yes, it is. Among other things, it is patient. That's one of the ways that we as believers reflect the character of our Lord. So to be sure, patience is, is one of the tough ones, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And our patience is tried every day in, in small ways and sometimes big ways. Think of Job. Job is the classic example of someone who was patient in the midst of suffering, long suffering. He cried. Where does he cry this from? From the dung heap. Okay, we all know what a dung heap is. Though he slay me, I will trust him. Really? Well, that's part of it. Lord, this is what I'm after. Well, to, to get what you're after, I'm first going to have to crush you and then build you back up in the form that I want you to be so that you may then achieve this. Here are just a few examples of people who exercise patience, not always perfectly, but exercise patience in Scripture. Now Isaiah talks about it in chapter 40. He says, but they who, what, wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, they shall walk and not grow faint. So we go back to Abraham and Sarah. The Lord says, I'm going to make you a nation that numbers the stars in the sky, the sands on the sea. Great, but we, we can't have any kids. When are you going to do this? Well, I'm going to do it. You have to be patient. Well, how about my nephew? Maybe he wants to, No, it's not your nephew. How, how about my, the, the child I had through the servant girl? No, it's not that one. It's the child you will have with Sarah. Okay? And he waited until Sarah was how old? 90 years old. Now, ladies, you understand. You still don't have kids at 90. Even if you're going to live to 120, you still have 30 years left. You just don't have kids at 90. Okay? Why did he wait that long? Because there was no doubt that it was the Lord himself who made it possible. That it was not human ability. It was the Lord. Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, wrongly imprisoned, 
rises eventually to number two to Pharaoh. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. But it was years before he understood that. Moses spends 40 years in the desert before he's called out to lead the Israelites. And then they do what? They don't ask for directions and they wander around the desert for 40 years. Okay? Hannah prays every year as they go up to Jerusalem for a child. And finally, she gets one named Samuel. Job, as I mentioned, immense suffering and loss. Noah gets the word from the Lord. Noah, build me an ark. Okay, Lord, here's the plans. All right, so he starts to build. How long does he build the ark for? 120 years. That's a lot of waiting. That's a lot of going out every day and building that ark until the Lord brought the rain. New Testament, we have Anna, who, who was the widow who spent 70 years at the temple waiting for the consummation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah to show up. And there he is at the temple, Luke chapter 2. So in Habakkuk, he's taken this question and this issue about as far as human reasoning can go. So what should he do? Well, he waits for instructions. What will God say to him? His example, in his example, he answers the question for us. How do we leave a problem with God? Okay, this, this is weighing upon me, Lord. Okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to pray. And what am I going to do then? Ooh, that's the tough part. That is the tough part. But before we get into that, we have to remember that praying and trusting God does not mean that we reject any form of what is called secondary means. Alex is not at home suffering terribly with, with some esophageal thing, praying for the Lord to heal him. He went to the emergency room and prayed for the Lord to heal him. Okay, he called the doctor. And see, that's the secondary means. Tertiary means might be the medication that he gets. It's not a contradiction to pray for these things and then to seek out the secondary means. Okay, uh, we, we go to the doctor when we're ill. We also pray for our health. Um, when your computer freezes, you don't just pray for your computer to unfreeze. You do what? You turn it off and you turn it back on. Okay, because that's the first thing that the uh, technician is going to ask you to do or Dan is going to ask you to do. Okay, it's the same type of thing. Oh, yeah, you know, I've got this problem at home and, and with my stove and I don't understand it. We're going to pray for it. Well, your next door neighbor happens to work for a manna, so why don't you go over and ask your next door neighbor, okay? Pray that he is home and then he can come and help you fix the stove, okay? Those are secondary means. Praying to the Lord and trusting him and using the means that he has made available to us are not a contradiction. Okay, it's not a lack of faith to do these things. It's not a, a, a well, I'm, I'm really doubting God's ability. No, he has made people smart. He has given people gifts. Rejoice in those gifts and use them. Okay, rejoice in those gifts. So this is basically, uh, Habakkuk has a problem. Um, in, in his time and after he has prayed, the danger for Habakkuk, which he, he shows us the real way to do it, and, and our danger, the real way to do it, is then to go wait on, on the Lord. For most of us, we go and we pray about our issue, 
And then when we get up from our knees or, or finish praying, we go about continue to think about our problem, continue to have that upon our hearts. Uh, we think about our problem. We're still anxious about our problem. And it's not long before we pray the same prayer again. Now, it's not wrong to pray for something on a regular basis. The problem is to be anxious about something on a regular basis for which you have laid before the Lord. It is wrong to fill your mind with that problem as if you, you've already said, I can't do anything about it, I've got to give it to the Lord, but then to fill your problem worrying about it. Continuing to pray about it is just fine. Being anxious about it runs counter to the word, especially what Paul says. He says what? Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that it is gone from our minds. It doesn't mean that it is not there. But it means that I'm not anxious about it. It means that I'm not worrying about it. It's that it means that it's not filling my heart with these um, perhaps paralyzing concerns. So here are three things we have to remember once we have prayed. Detach yourself from the anxiety associated with the problem. Okay, Detach yourself. Oh, well, you can say that, Rand, but, you know, I am by nature a worrier. Don't you understand? And if I don't worry about it, who will? Yeah, that's what my mother used to say. Somebody has to worry about it, and that's why God made me a worrier. I'm like, oh, mom, okay? This is not an issue in how you feel. It's not about how you feel about this thing that you have prayed for. It's a decision you must make and an action you must take. I have given it to the Lord. It's on my mind. But I will not be anxious about it. And every time that that anxiety begins to surface in my heart, I will say, Rand, didn't you give that to the Lord? Yes. Why are you anxious about it? Well, just kind of my nature, then, then get rid of that. Do you not trust him? Is he not sovereign over all things? Does he not know the hairs on your head? A sparrow doesn't fall unless he knows about it. All things have been created by him and through him. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That means that problem, he understands. He already knows the issue to that you're facing and he knows the answer to that problem detach yourself from it Habakkuk says I'm going to go to the watchtower now the watchtower that he's talking about here he says look I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower now this type of tower is often built in a field or a vineyard remember Jesus's parable about the the landowner who built the vineyard built a tower in the midst of it then he went off and hired servants to do it then when it came time to talk about the harvest he sent his servants back and they beat up his servants and killed his servants over a couple of times and he said well they'll respect my son and he sent his son back and they killed his son okay he's giving that parable to the Pharisees because the son is Christ. That's who he's talking about there. But there's a tower in the middle of that vineyard. It's a place for the guard to keep an eye out. Now there's also towers in the city walls in which you look for enemies. And we think that's really what he's talking about here because some of the, the languages, the language that is used here, is thinking of a tower in a city wall. So when Habakkuk says he will stand watch and station himself there, he's saying, I've wrestled with my problem. I've not been able to solve it. 
I'm going to now leave it with God and I'm going to the watchtower to do what? To worry about it? No, to keep watch for what God will do. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to move away from the crowd down in the city. I'm going to go up and I'm going to wait for the Lord and I'm going to keep watch for what he will do about this. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said about this particular issue of leaving it with the Lord, this is one of the most important principles in the Christian life, but precisely where we most often go astray. We lay out our problem, we think it through, but still we do not find satisfaction. We do not quite know what to do. It may be the problem of what we are to do with our lives, or it may be some situation that is confronting us, which involves a difficult decision. So having failed to reach a resolution or a solution, despite seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing more to do but to take it to God in prayer. But what so frequently happens is this. We go on our knees and tell God about the thing that is worrying us. We tell him that we cannot solve this difficulty ourselves, and we ask him to deal with it and to show us the way. Then the moment we get up from our knees, we begin to worry about the problem again. Okay? At different times, we may even tell others our problem, some, somewhat proud that we are wrestling spiritually with this problem. And, and you know, what ter- more terrible thing to hear from our friend who says, well, did you pray about it? Yes. Did you trust the Lord for it? Yes. Then why are you still anxious about it? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm? If we are doing this, we haven't left the problem with the Lord. Okay? We haven't left it there. Secondly, we are to expect an answer from the Lord. Now, it might not be the answer you want. You've got to be ready for that. But we are to expect an answer for, from the Lord. Just because we have left it with God and ceased worrying about it does not mean we should forget about it. Okay? Habakkuk's image of the watchtower shows us he left the crowd so that he could keep a lookout for what the Lord was doing to watch and see what will happen. I will stand and watch to see what God will say. Well, how do we look for God's answer? The primary place is right here in his word. And you say, well, he he doesn't really lay out what I'm supposed to do with my life. And that's really what I'm praying for. Keep reading. Keep studying. Keep feasting on his word. Primarily, it is through the scriptures. Other times, God may use what there's no theological term for it other than a, an indescribable sense. We might call it a prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to say because sometimes we can't tell the difference between the prompting of the Holy Spirit and what I really want to do. And sometimes I will say, I really want to do this and, and I feel good about it. So it must be the Holy Spirit telling me to go and do it. But it's in it, its core, it's what I really want to do. Okay, That is very subjective. And then there are things like open doors, closed doors. I don't mean literally, but okay, I'd like to serve here. And, and I, 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 you know, I feel called to serve and I, I fill out all the forms and I do everything and they never call me back. Maybe you're not supposed to serve there. Maybe you're supposed to be someplace else. Now, I really want to do this, but you're not having any success with it. Okay. And then you're reading the word and the passage Maybe we've all done this, a passage that you've read 10, 15 times before, and suddenly it comes to light and you go, oh, 
Oh, the light comes on. And you go, that's what I'm supposed to be doing in the word. Number three, be persistent in your expectation. Now I know where we're going in Luke. Luke chapter 18, 18. Habakkuk says he's going to stay in his watchtower until God answers that question. Until he answers that question. God likes that kind of tenacity. It's perseverance. That's what the saints do. We persevere. We stick with the Lord. We, we continue to beseech him. We continue to pray. Um, how long have you been praying for somebody's salvation? Okay, maybe there's somebody in your heart, somebody in your life, and you've been praying for their salvation five, ten 15 years and you're seeing no action and you think well all right god's not listening i'm gonna stop praying no god's timing is not yet but he calls upon you to be faithful in that prayer how long you've been praying for somebody's healing somebody's deliverance from some predicament when do you stop praying for someone's salvation whom you love you don't you just continue on until you are gone or until they're saved that's what you do Chapter 18 of Luke. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man... Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to the, his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The persistence is not anxiousness. Just because you continue to pray about something, continue to go to the Lord each day, does not mean you are not trusting him. Anxiousness or worrying about something that you have entrusted to the Lord is something different. Paul speaks to that, as I said, pray about everything, worry about nothing. Habakkuk tells us that he will look to see what God will say to him. He will keep his eyes open and fixed upon the Lord and wait for what he has to say. This is part of faith, the action of faith. Do you trust him enough to wait? God, in his providence, will work out those things which are best according to his plan, that give him glory what is best for those who are called according to his purposes. And sometimes you have to wait. And it's a leaving our problem with the Lord in confidence, not being anxious about it. It's still in our minds. We know it's there. I go there every day and I talk to him about it. And so, Lord, when are you going to do something about that? And his answer is like, when is Christ coming back? Soon, right? I'm like, ugh. Can you be a little sooner, Lord? Can you give me a date? I can put it in my phone and it'll be ready for it? No, soon. Habakkuk is looking to the future for an answer. He says you have to look away from here and look to there. 
Okay, now, I already talked about second means, secondary means, so don't forget that. He will give his children good gifts. This is an unjust judge who gives justice. So we have a just God, and we are his children. And he will give us those things which are good for us. And even if the answer is delayed, according to Randy's timeline, his grace is sufficient to see me through that. God is seldom early, but he's never late. And it might be late according to my timeline, but not according to his. So we brought our needs to the Lord in prayer. We look for the answer. We believe he will give an answer to that prayer, even if it's the answer we don't like or don't want to hear. It's so easy to pray and then let the pressures of society build up and, and not be patient and cause us to forget the exercise of faith in our prayers. The problem for us is often believing he will actually do it. We say, well, yeah, those miracles and things, they did them in the New Testament and those big things. Back in the Old Testament, that was two, three, four thousand years ago. He just doesn't work that way anymore. Yes, he does. The greatest miracles happen on a regular basis. This is called salvation. That who was the enemy of the Lord is now his child. That's miraculous. Changed from an enemy to a child. Given a new heart. Should we not beseech the Lord for those that we know need that new heart? Should we ever stop praying for them? Of course the answer is no. So where do we go wrong? We go wrong because we're not looking for an answer for a prayer. We prayed. Great. Okay. No, that's not enough. We expect, we believe that God will answer because, and because of this, we may well miss the answer that the Lord gives us. Because we, if we don't think that the Lord will answer us, if we don't expect the Lord to answer us, we might miss it when he does answer. Or if we have different expectations, Lord, I'm going to pray that you will do this. And he does this, and we're thinking, oh, I'm still praying for this. You know, there was a group of people in the first century, and they're, they're all in a, in a house, and they're praying because their buddy Peter's in prison. And they're praying for Peter's release. And knock comes on the door, the servant girl goes over, and she shuts the door and runs in and says, it's Peter at the door. He said, no, he's in prison. Come back here and continue to pray for his release. No, he's at the door. Did they expect God to answer that? He did. Sometimes you actually get what you pray for. Our perception as to what the answer will be may not be what God does. And when he fails to meet our expectations, we don't understand. It's a question of my will. Am I going to submit my will to my Heavenly Father's will? Or am I going to demand that he conform to my will? Habakkuk said, hey, Lord, look at the injustice. Look at what's going on. Look at the oppression. When are you going to do something? And what did the Lord say? I'm going to raise up Babylon and crush you. That is not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. But the fulfillment of what the Lord was doing in the lives of his covenant people didn't come at that moment. It comes down the road. We see a partial fulfillment in the return. 
We see a partial fulfillment in the coming of Christ. We, feel the, we see the ultimate fulfillment in the return of Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you, you command us to come to the throne of grace to pray, to bring our concerns, to bring our praises and joys and, and those that we love and those that we want to see come to faith and lay them before you. Trusting that you will work your perfect will in their lives and situations. And you call us not to be anxious about it because we have trusted you. Not to forget, not to say, oh, I I prayed once, I never have to pray again for that, but to continue to beseech you. For you love to see your saints persevere, not only in faith, but in the practice of faith. In those things which you have given to us, that we might draw closer to you. Lord, as so many of us wait, for answers to prayers that perhaps have been on our hearts and we have prayed for years. Help us to wait with expectation. Help us to wait not with anxiety, not with an uneasiness, not with a doubt, but with a complete faith to look for your answer. And Lord, help us to understand what you're doing in our lives while we wait. How are you forming us? How are you building our faith? How are you building our trust in you as we wait for your perfect will? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Everyone, please take your hymnals. Take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 509.